0: Well, I just happened to see a MiG twenty-eight. We, sorry. sorry. We happen to see a MiG twenty-eight do a four G negative dive.
1: Where did you see this?
0: That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Growing Up Punk Podcast. We are so grateful that you decided to join us today. Thank you for being a part of this community and for listening and for commenting and letting us know uh, what it is you like about the show or don't like about the show. We always welcome any kind of feedback. So, uh, please feel free to hit us up on our social media. It is Growing Punk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um from there you can find links to our um, our personal social medias. On there you will also find a link to our website growingpunkpod.com. On our website you will find links to our Patreon if you like what we are doing on the show. And you want more, then you can be a Patreon member, which gets you exclusive content, um, blogs, reviews, opportunities to connect with us, all that kind of good stuff. So you can check that out there. You can also find links to a merch store where we have some sweet shirt designs that uh, were recently put up there. So you can go and check that out as well. Um, Yeah, we appreciate any and all of your support on all of this. And uh, so we're excited that you've joined us today. Today we have an interview with Joe... The drummer from Slick Shoes, Joe, has been the drummer for the band um, pretty much the whole time since um, you know their first EP in the early '90s, all up into the new album. That is released today, September 25th, on Tooth & Nail Records. And so we're so excited to um, to share this interview with you. I had the opportunity to talk to Joe a few weeks ago. And uh, we talk all about drumming and slick shoes, which was really fun because I'm a drummer as well. And he has been one of my favorite punk drummers ever since I heard them. And so it was fun to get to talk with him about how he got into drumming, um, what kind of influences he had. What influenced the different, um, you know, drumming styles on the Slick Shoes albums? What it was like recording back in the '90s and 2000s compared to uh, 2020, and some of those changes. Um, yeah, this is a really fun talk. So if you enjoy Slick Shoes, which I'm guessing you do, if you are listening to this and you are a drummer, then double bonus for you today. Um, so thanks so much for for checking this out. Even if you're not a drummer, there's lots of uh, really cool stuff in here um, about about Slick Shoes and the new record so um, yeah that's enough for me thanks so much for listening and here is my interview with Joe from Slick Shoes This has uh, been something I've been hoping to do for a long time, so it's cool to, you know, we had uh, Jackson and Jeremiah on a few weeks ago, and now we got you, and so it's cool to kind of hear a bit from, you know, as many people from the band as we can, especially leading up to um, your new album, which is uh, coming out on September 25th, so really excited to kind of pump that up and, and get other people excited for that, so Yeah, let's just uh, get kind of right into, you know, how did you get into drumming and what made you want to be a drummer? Do you have, you know, specific memories of that or was it just kind of a gradual thing? What what can you share about that?
0: Um, I mean, basically I could share since I was, since I can have a memory, honestly, uh, I was banging on things, pots and pans, the couch, uh, you know, whatever I could get whatever I could hit with a stick, basically. Um, uh, and that's what I was told by my mother as soon as I could actually do anything. I was, I was smacking stuff and asking if, you know, if I could have a drum or something. Um, I, and it, fast forward, honestly, like I always just air drummed uh, until I was about, uh, I don't know, 15. And then uh, I, I got grounded uh, for like three months cause I did very poorly in school wow. and, uh, yeah, yeah. Kids don't do that. Uh, but, uh, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. I hate to say, uh, my parents were super nice for some reason. I was grounded for three months and they bought me a drum set and they put me in drum lessons. Uh, so that three months, I will tell you something. Um, really shaped up my love for drums because it's all I did. It's all I did for three full months. And then mm. after that, uh, I, I never wanted to do anything else. You know, my friends would say, you want to go skate or something like that? And I'm just like, nah, i just put on my headphones and play to just about any band I could, you know, that I yeah. like to listen to.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's uh you know, a pretty common thing for, you know, guys in, in our age bracket versus... You know, I listen to podcasts with with newer drummers who are, you know, maybe in their 20s. And it's just, it's so kind of the opposite right now. New drummers are influenced by, you know, watching videos on YouTube or maybe seeing a band live where I feel like a lot of guys, you know, more in their 30s, 40s and older. There just wasn't that. And it's so interesting how it just kind of, comes naturally and you know it was kind of the same for me just kind of start with chopsticks on you know an ottoman or the couch or something and you don't even really know what drumming is it's just you have that energy and something in your arms that makes you want to move and i mean like it's weird to think that you could start drumming before you'd even really heard drums or heard or seen somebody drumming yeah uh, so that's yeah it's i I always just love hearing kind of how people came into it and You know, how that passion just kind of grows out of almost nothing except just kind of what's inside of you.
0: It is exactly something that's just kind of inside of you, just kind of ticking away. And then, I don't know, just like you said, (laughs) it's so funny. I had myself a little couch drum set, too. And I would set up my little hi-hat and just, you know, made out of pieces of
1: cardboard and whatnot and just, you know,
0: (laughs) plug away as much as I could.
1: That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so did that kind of continue, you know, just kind of all through like middle school and high school or did, you know, because I've also heard where some musicians, you know, they kind of get into it a bit younger and then as they kind of go through some of those formative years, you know, they either, you know, get more into sports or cars or whatever and then, you know, later on kind of come back to it. Did that happen with you or are you just the whole time it was just drums?
0: No, I would have to say uh, from that three months where I started playing, um, I, didn't, I didn't stop. Like, I quit skateboarding. I didn't really skateboard that much anymore. Um, like I said, my friends would come over every day. They'd just be like, let's go skate. Let's go skate. I'm like, nah, nah, I want to play. That evolved eventually into some of those friends picking up some instruments and, uh, you know, one in particular picked up a guitar and uh, uh, actually I had two friends who picked up a guitar. So that led to like my first like, you know, jamming with someone. And then I I don't know about you, but like once that happened, I just kind of knew what I wanted to do forever, you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah and I, I also find it a funny correlation with with drummers and skateboarding because I was, you know, same thing with skateboarding. However, I was always too scared to actually like commit to tricks because I didn't want to, you know, sprain my ankle or twist my leg or something because then I wouldn't be able to play drums and jam with my my friends and so I was I was always kind of like that like weak skateboarder that like doing it kind of as a mode of transportation, but when it came to actually like doing tricks or stuff, I was just like, ah, I'm too scared to try it cuz I don't want to ruin my feet for drumming.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny how that happens, right? That was my exact mindset. Like, I really did like skating, and I would do tricks and stuff like that, too. And it it was, like, the thing I did every day before drums. Uh, I would just, I'd I'd be out all day skating, right? Um, And then that, I don't know, skating and music kind of goes hand in hand, because I had a ramp in my backyard, And we would always have, like, I just have a boombox out there, and anybody who was over there skating with us could just put on, you know, whatever tape they wanted. So it's like I heard so many different kinds of music and stuff uh, from that, that it's just like it was just like a gradual, just like super, I don't know, I'd have to say a pretty organic, like, move from skateboarding to music, you know.
1: Can you recall with drums, like, when did you start? So when you were playing. When did you start maybe noticing, you know, maybe in our music videos or seeing a live band or just listening to an album where I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's other people that are drumming like, oh, okay, he's trying something or he's playing something that I can try. Like, when did that kind of shift from just playing what was in your head or coming to you versus kind of emulating somebody else? Like, what would some of those earlier influences have been? I can tell you
0: exactly the first album I tried to learn was uh, Metallica's Injustice for All. I was a huge uh, fan of uh, Lars Ulrich when I first started drumming, and uh, and if I could play any song on that record, I was stoked. So I, I basically learned almost the whole record in a summer and uh my goal that's <laughs> so funny to talk about now. My goal uh was to play the song one, that real fast double bass part or whatnot. And uh and then when I picked that up I was like, all right, yeah, this is great. Uh I quickly kinda moved away from Lars, even though I love Metallica and everything like that, because I started to find like better drummers. And uh specifically Dave Lombardo from Slayer. For some nice. reason his his double bass footwork and his hand, his fills, the quick fills he would do and everything was a huge influence on my drumming pretty much. Uh, were you, yes
1: go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say with, with the double kick, were you, did that come naturally to you? Like be able just to kind of pick up on that or, or what was that uh, like kind of adjusting to that?
0: Well, it's, uh, it's kind of funny because it's like we, uh, like we said earlier about, uh, playing the couch and everything I would just sit in chairs and do the little double bass thing for hours uh just tapping my feet or doing whatever so when I actually got a double bass pedal I was like wow this this seems pretty natural right it it came yeah. pretty easy um but like I said uh you know I started um, playing a lot of metal stuff a lot more because the metal drummers to me at first seem a lot. Techier than some of the punk drummers I listened to, right? Yeah, and uh, they were doing a lot more with their hands and feet and double bass and all that stuff. Uh, so that's how I started, kind of uh, <clears throat> playing along with super metaly bands like Testament and Anthrax and Slayer and Metallica. Uh, that that gradually um, turned into like some of my biggest influences in punk rock. Like if we fast forward a few years. Uh, I got really heavily into No Effects and uh I like um I like Smelly, their drummer a lot. Uh, Lagwagon Dave Ron's probably one of my favorite drummers. Uh I'll yeah. just say that right now. Like he and even Derek, their old drummer from Lagwagon, was super good. So like Lagwagon's drummers, their lineups were like a big, huge influence on me. Mm. Um I would have to say like an obscure influence, but like, I guess, I guess it would make sense because I play pretty fast is Dennis Chambers. Uh, he's a drummer. He's a jazz drummer that played like in the John Schofield band or something like okay. that. He also played with Parliament and Funkadelic, hmm. uh, just funk bands, but the guy's hands are faster than everything, anything I've seen. So yeah. I used to watch a lot of his instructional videos and, uh, try and pick up some of the fast fills from that
1: yeah do you find that you can like for myself I'm more of a hands-on learner like I can watch all sorts of videos on YouTube and instructional things but it just doesn't translate for me and so I mean lots of times I just don't end up learning new things because I'm not I can't just like sit there and watch and then try like I almost need someone right in front of me to kind of show me so are you able to pick up that stuff fairly easily so for me it's
0: more of an audible thing like i like to you know i i didn't know how to read music right away at all really like i learned to play the drums by putting on headphones and just playing beats Uh, i never thought i needed it or anything like that until you know post-slick shoes during one of the, uh, like hiatuses or whatever, I taught drums and then that taught me real quickly that I needed to learn how to read. (laughs) So, uh, I learned how to read music, but even still like knowing how to read and notate music, I would rather put on my headphones and listen to said drummer do whatever he's doing and then just try and emulate it. You know, uh, it's a lot easier for me that way.
1: Can you, are you still able to read music?
0: I probably could, but I haven't done it in so long that, like, yeah, yeah, it'd probably be shady.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's with a lot of drummers that get into punk and metal. Like, we just want to play fast and hard. You know, I never had the. the, uh, patience or the focus, you know? So I I did drum lessons just for one year when I was 12. And so I learned how to read then. But as soon as I knew how to play beats, I was like, Hey, that's all I want to do. Like listen to something, play along. Um, I I just, I couldn't really be bothered to like read music and just kind of play. So, you know, kind of on par sort of thing.
0: Yeah. It was the same with me. I took lessons for a spell when my uh, parents put me in lessons, but it, it went from, like, the drum teacher teaching me for a few lessons to him and I just rapping about drummers we liked all the time. And yeah. I was pay- we were paying him for it. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'd probably just go back to playing on the uh, headphones.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so for most artists, you know, origina- originality is first preceded by a phase of learning and often emulating, as you've been sharing. So how would you describe your own development as an artist and figuring out your own drumming style?
0: I think that actually just, uh, I don't know. I think it came from doing exactly what it said, playing to all my favorite drummers. And then, um, I started to kind of, uh, find my niche, I guess you could say. Um, I started out as a double bass. Like I played a lot of double bass. And like I said, I played a lot of metal drumming, you know, at first. Um, but I think, uh, I think I started to find my own style when I gave that up and I switched to single bass drum and I started playing with some different uh, types of music and uh, I started to actually try to develop, you know, a really quick right foot and, uh, and I think that was like my driving force to kind of like mm. be my signature was trying just kind of play as fast as I could with one foot, right? And yeah. then... Uh, <clears throat> After that, I just tried to play as, <laughs> it's so funny, you know, at first, especially around the EP, Rusty, you know, era and stuff like that, I was literally just, you know, trying to play as fast as I could. And then, you know, uh, and Jackson and I would just kind of, you know, we would we would definitely push each other because, you know, Jackson's a monster guitar player. And, uh, and he would just write these riffs where like, you know, I would have to step up to the plate, right? And even before yeah. Slick Shoes, I, I got involved with some musicians that were just so much better than me. So I think, like, I found my style kind of through playing with so many different people and do- so many different, like, I don't know, scenarios and different types of music that, like, it just kind of developed. And I just say that, you know, a good portion of of my drumming comes from me just literally stealing stuff from my favorite people because I love the way they drum. Right. And so I feel like, you know, I don't literally steal their roles, but like, you know, I just feel like sometimes I'll do a role and I'll be like, oh, that's Dave Ron. I need to change that. Right. You know, (laughs) or something like that. So all my influences really shine through almost too obviously sometimes.
1: Yeah. So, is there no double kick on any Slick Shoes album?
0: No, sir. Like uh-uh. double
1: pedals? Wow. Yeah. Uh. Man, good for you. That's I've I've never been able to have a really fast right foot. Maybe I've just never had the right pedal. But I mean, I, I watch you know YouTube guys doing that, and it's kind of. I mean, it's it's all kind of once you learn the technique, you know. I guess with anything, you then you can kind of you know modify it or play around with it or you know kind of like ghost notey kind of stuff to kind of make it sound like that but mm-hmm. man, that's awesome that makes me want to go back and and just listen to the to that but um yeah as a as a drummer what are your must-haves for feeling comfortable both on you know whether it was on tour back in the day or for current shows and as you practice at home like what are the things that you need to have when you sit down at a drum kit so both you know in a live setting and then for practicing at home well, I personally, uh, <clears throat> I, I say the
0: only thing I really need is the sticks I use that I'm pretty partial to. Sorry. <clears throat> um, other than that, like, uh, you know, obviously I prefer my kit, but there's not a whole lot that I have to have. Uh, I'd say my, my drumsticks and my DW 9000 pedal, uh, mm. are kind of must haves, um, obviously i want my drums and everything there but you know i do a lot of backline you know i play a lot of backline gear um especially nowadays since we do a lot of flyouts. um right so it's you know i had to learn to just get comfortable playing random kits so really as long as i have like you know a decent throne because like a hard thrones a drag and yeah. uh, you know my DW 9000 and you know I play Vader five eighty Los Angeles 5A's and I, I don't know I just love them and if I play other sticks it, it I tend to just I don't know I feel like my hits aren't hard enough or just whatever yeah.
1: what about for uh, cymbals I find that symbols, I mean because you know you're always you're always on a cymbal a drum you know you can kind of you know change with the miking you can make you know toms that aren't like super in tune or whatever still sound decent through pa but i find if the cymbals are you know poor quality or wrong sizes or it, it can really affect it have you ever had to you know just where you show up and the cymbals are totally wonky or anything or does that not um, bother you
0: <clears throat> i have i've bought some some pretty wonky cymbals uh, funny story right before we did the live record Uh, I was buying some new gear and I decided to try these heavier, uh, heavier cymbals and I brought them to the, uh, (laughs) I brought them to the show and our sound guy was just like, whoa, what the heck is going on with those? And I'm (laughs) like, they sound great, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to record those. So, uh, I've made some poor mistakes, but I, uh, in terms of like the cymbals I've bought, um, I am really partial to, especially right now, the, uh, the Zildjian K hybrids. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of playing those all around except for my ride, which I'll get to my ride in a minute. Cause there's a cool story behind that. But I do like the, the K hybrid, uh, high hats and the crashes. I think they sound pretty insane. Um, uh, as far as the ride, I've been using this same Z custom, uh, ride since i was 15 um it's on every record i've done uh and i've honestly play it everywhere so like i guess you could say if there's another thing i have to have kind of and especially in a recording situation i like to bring that symbol because it's just kind of part of me now
1: (laughs) yeah oh man those those symbols and the rides especially are just like built to last like they're so thick they you know, especially for uh, for punk when you're you know, doing a, a fast beat on the ride, it, it yeah. just helps to, to have, you know, a thicker ride so that you hear every hit. Whereas, you know, maybe more, um, you know, I think like bands like New Found Glory and Blink where they're doing like a lot of crashing on the ride, then, yes, you know, you, you don't want also a nice great. thick ride like that, but...
0: But I love the pingy rides, especially if you're going to be riding it like you, uh, like you mentioned earlier, doing something faster. You really want those notes to cut and whatnot. And believe me, there's a time and a place for a nice washy ride like uh, like Cyrus uses or or Travis from Blink. Uh yeah. But uh, I definitely lean more towards like the the cleaner pingy rides.
1: Yeah, and I find like I I also have a it's a 21 inch um, Zildjian a custom ride so it's really nice for crashing on but as soon as I put that one on my kit I miss my my thicker one that I've had for you know 13 years because it's like man I just I need that I need the bell on it you know yeah. it just kind of adds so much more accent so it's it really I, I almost need a few different kits just to have you know different setups but yeah it's definitely yeah. fun to play around on that but yeah I know when you show up and there's just like wonky symbols it's just makes it really hard to play
0: yeah they can be pretty bad yeah
1: they can be pretty bad at times what does your creative process look like so when you sit down to write drum parts for an album you know whether that's thinking back to past albums or the new album what does that look like you know are are you the type of drummer that mostly tries to kind of fit the parts and overall song or do you like to have parts that kind of stand out on their own or a mix of those what does that look like for you as a drummer So,
0: like I mentioned at first, it was all about being fast. And then uh, I started to kind of grow a little bit, I think, as a musician. And uh, I started to, uh, when I write a song, I usually am there. Obviously, you know this, but uh, you're usually there just to hold it down for the writing process at first, right? You know, you're just kind of cruising cruising through getting through like the song and then you know you have your your base of the song after you know we've done that i like to go back you know if we've done pre-production which we usually try and do and i will really nitpick them i'll go to the parts i'll listen to them and i'll see you know like what can i do here Uh, Am I doing the same thing two times, you know, like, you know, what, what can be done better here? And then I do that to the best of my ability, bring it back to the boys and see if they like it. Right. If everything goes smooth, then, you know, it has to get past Steve Kravak. And if, uh, and if steve's into it which honestly working with steve and uh and doing drums like uh he's kind of a mastermind where he just will get the best performance out of you so if if my if my drum take you know makes the cut past steve and whatnot or whomever my i might be working with uh then i've done a good job and that tends to be what uh what i do per song I like to take it back and put it under a magnifying glass, like several times.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's interesting about Steve because I was I, I didn't have a note about that here, but that just reminds me of, you know, when I think of a few records, um, like uh, M- the two that MXPX did and uh, the first Dingy's record. Both both of those drummers have said that you know Steve really wanted them to you know kind of tone back the drums not you know have anything fancy i think on that dingy's record i don't know if there's any drum fills on that whole album Um, yeah it's pretty steady ethan on that and um (laughs) however ethan has said that because of that experience working with steve you know he kind of credits that experience to why he's still successful as a musician and so how is that like for you as you know a bit more of a technical drummer um or technical band you know with you know, for the style of music that Shoes plays, you need to have, you know, a bit more dynamic than just playing the straight beat. So how do you kind of find that medium with Steve? Or what was that like going in with him? Like, were you a little apprehensive of like, oh, maybe there's too many fills or too much technicality? Mm -hmm. Or do you just kind of work that all out when you're there together? So we did, uh, we did burnout with Steve and that was an eye opener.
0: Um, I never I'd never worked with a producer who worked me that hard. Um and we were recording to uh to 2-inch tape, so there's not a whole right. lot of uh there's not a whole lot of cutting and editing, right? So he's having me go through like six, you know, or so takes of uh, uh of takes that I think are all right, you know? Like I'm pretty stoked on them, but he's like, "Uh, ah, you know, do another one. I think you could probably do it better, right?" And uh I don't know on burnout at least too. I was going home and I was having to soak my uh soak my ankles because I was playing drums so much. Uh it took like 7 days, maybe more to do Ooh. drums. Like I, I the one thing I will tell you about Steve is that he will not let a single thing slide. If my drum take like if my drum take is done and I'm pretty confident that it sounds real good with Steve, you know. This time around um, I was a little more, you know, I, I don't know, we're all older and, uh, it was super good to see Steve and we were just really open about what we wanted with this record. So I was like, I'm going to get a little bit crazier, you know, uh, but I still wanted him to keep me in line because I didn't want to overplay. I wanted to be tasteful right. and I wanted to, you know, not do fills throughout the whole record, but just where they needed to be. Right. And, uh, yeah. and he's real good at that. He's real good at, you know, uh, changing a drum beat if you need to, just to like mm. even accent a cymbal that is a sweeter note than the other one, you know?
1: Right. Mm. So that was Are a cool experience. Someone, do you enjoy drumming in the studio or does the repetitiveness kind of kill, you know, the joy of it for you? Or do you ever feel completely ready to go into a studio or is it, you know, where you have parts that kind of need to be tweaked in there? So I guess kind of a two part, like do you enjoy that studio part of it and... Do you ever really feel completely ready to go in? Um, I do not ever feel
0: completely ready to go in. Um, I always feel like I'm underprepared. But um I think that uh I, know, I lost my train of thought. I think that uh usually when I go in, I'm super stoked, right? Um, and then after you've been playing the same song, probably like 10 or 11 times, some of that stoked goes away. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know, it might be just me, but, uh, if I'm playing the same song a little bit too long, yeah, you know, my demeanor seems to change a little bit, but, uh, overall, I think, uh, I don't know, especially recording this record, I think it was just so much fun. And it was so good to be around everyone this time and it was just so good to do everything that like I don't know. I was I was stoked every day and it didn't really matter how many times I
1: played. Plus it's been so long since I did
0: anything yeah, like that. Like sure. man, it was just like
1: the first time
0: again almost, you know.
1: Yeah. Does Slick Shoes play live with a click for drums?
0: Um no, not really uh we did we did this time um we don't record like we don't write our songs that way, I guess is what we say uh oh, okay in the studio, we definitely do uh, there's a click yeah. involved, no matter what um but when we write live, you know we'll we'll maybe do it to get tempos,
1: but we don't really
0: practice or anything to clicks.
1: So how do you find when you get into the studio and all of a sudden you have that click in your ear? is that throwing you off, or can you adapt to that fairly easily? <laughs> oh, the ice pick. Uh, well,
0: uh, I can adapt fairly quickly because when I practice on my own, I practice to a click and, uh, when I'm getting tempos for, for albums and stuff like that, I, I, I play the track to a click and stuff like that. So I, I try and prepare myself that way.
1: Yeah. When you did the drums on this album, did you do them all kind of in one, um, not one sitting, but you know, like three or four days together or was it, you know, one weekend here and then one weekend, like, did you kind of have a break in there? Uh, most definitely, because of our work
0: schedules and everything like that, uh, right. we were recording on the weekends for sure,
1: yeah, so that would have been I'm assuming a big change, right? It was that the first time you had done drums like that, like the rest of your albums, you just would have gone and you know done it in three, four days, all the drums and then been done.
0: yeah, it was kind of weird because after the first weekend, you know, you kind of feel like you're done because you're not recording for a week, right, And then when I had to go back the next week, and I'm like, oh man, I'm not done. Now, I think it took me about three weekends to get you know finished with this record, but uh, yeah, it was different.
1: Yeah, well, that's nice. So do you guys did the drums first, yeah, as, as most bands do. Yeah, so at mm-hmm. least you kind of had the satisfaction of being like, all right, uh, where drums are all good now, I can just enjoy, you know, the rest of the process and and seeing what the rest of the guys kind of match to the drums.
0: Absolutely, that's the best yeah. part of it. <laughs> After you're done.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. That's a nice part about being the drummer is like, typically you go first, and then you can just kind of chill instead of you know sitting around for however long waiting to do vocals or you know guitar or whatever else. So that is a yeah. nice part of that. Out of all the past Slick Shoes album, which one did you enjoy drumming on the most? And what are some experiences you remember about drumming on on that record, if if there is you know one that that stands out in your mind? <clears throat> well, there's a there's a couple.
0: On Far From Nowhere, we worked with uh, Ed Stasium and uh, we were recording up in this, uh, in this studio up in the hills in Calabasas in uh, California and it was super nice studio, super nice area and, uh, and it was a really comfortable recording situation, one where it was the first time that the producer had a click at the beginning of the song, but he would bring the click out and just let me vibe the rest of the song. Oh, nice. And so my playing on that record is a lot more natural to kinda how I play live versus, you know, when you're playing to the ice pick, the click just in your ear the whole time, right? So that wasn't that was a different experience for me, but I think it kinda worked out for the better because those are some some of my favorite drum tracks are on that record. Yeah. Until we did this new one. Like this new record is definitely my favorite playing it's my favorite bandmates playing. Like, I think they did an amazing job. Like, I'm just dumbfounded at how everybody just stepped up to the plate. Super yeah. proud and stoked on them. Like, uh, like right now, it's definitely all about the new record.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was the the feeling you guys had about writing and recording a new album? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure... You, you never thought it was going to happen or maybe it was just kind of like a dream or a goal, but maybe it didn't seem realistic. So what was, what was that feeling when it was like, okay, we're, we're actually doing this. We're booking studio time. We're, you know, going back on tooth and nail kind of, what was the, the feeling amongst the group? Uh, amongst the group, we were all pretty happy. we were all pretty
0: stoked. Uh, it seemed surreal. Uh, it, you know, it just seemed like it wasn't really happening until it did. Um, I don't know like uh, the whole process everything seems like it happened so fast that uh, uh, that it was it seems like almost a blur now but I can tell mm. you we were nothing but excited
1: mm. and how did like your wives and families feel about all this was that because I imagine that you know took a lot of time away from them and um, was a was there any tension with that or was everyone just kind of happy to see you guys back at it?
0: Well, I I think uh, I can only speak uh, um on my behalf. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure everybody was fine with it. You know, it's just something something I'm I'm doing now and it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, maybe Sunday night hockey or something like that. If you're just playing the beer league or something, you know, like uh Right. But we play music. Um I know with our schedules and how much we work and stuff like that. Even doing this is 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 an amount of of pressure on the family that you know uh, we all try and take into consideration because you know it's a different time. <laughs> We're not kids yeah. anymore, you know.
1: Yeah. How do how do your kids feel about it? Because you have you have some teenage kids, don't you?
0: I have adults. Or, or <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah i don't have any more
0: teenagers uh so my son's super excited because he uh he also plays drums and i you know honestly i i'd have to say he's probably better than i am uh that's awesome yeah i'm super proud of the kid and um he plays in a couple like bands around uh around our town uh pour over in a band called Callers. they're on spotify you check them out they oh, cool he's super super good drummer he's stoked obviously uh and then um my son and uh daughter they're they're also stoked too they they uh, don't remember a whole lot from when they were kids and i was doing this you know yeah uh they just remember you know dad was gone for a few months and then he wasn't you know but now it kind of makes sense what I was doing to them, you know, and and they're they're super stoked on it. And they actually like it, which is which is pretty rad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So there's obviously lots of excitement and new energy um, coming back. Was there ever any worry, you know, about being able to keep up stamina-wise, or have you, you know, just kind of kept up with drumming over the years and, and that wasn't a problem? Because I know for myself, I mean, I'm not playing for hours at a time anymore, just kind of you know five ten minutes here and there when i can and i mean i I definitely could not play for you know hours and hours, especially in a studio when you're you know you really have to be given it
0: <laughs> yeah i uh i do i do uh run into some problems if I don't at least hit the treadmill in terms of stamina if I'm not playing the drums um I do go spells without it. Because work's just hectic sometimes, right, and I uh, yeah. I just don't get around to it, so it's unfortunate, but it does happen and and it could be a pretty good spell sometimes two or three months so so oh, wow. stamina is definitely an issue sometimes, but uh I just try and get back on the horse as soon as possible. I have some back issues too i, I yeah. uh, have sciatica, so there mm. there are some times where I just can't play because it's so bad.
1: Yeah. So what did any of that ever the interview or the studio stuff like was there any time where it was like, "Okay, hey, I just I can't play anymore today." And No, thank God. No, uh uh-uh. oh, no, that's awesome.
0: None of that happened. And uh and honestly, um I'm pretty bad at physical therapy or taking care of myself to be 100% on it. So, as long as I is as, as long as I'm, you know, doing that, it doesn't seem to be a huge problem.
1: Yeah. What was uh, your drum setup for this new record? You mentioned you you know been using some different snare drums, and um, so you know do you take your own drums to the studio or does Steve have drums there? Kind of what what was that process like?
0: So this time around, I got to use my own kit. So um, I used my SJC for the uh, kick and the toms. And then I have a I work with a company called uh Custom Drum Concepts. Uh that they do my uh my snare drums. And uh so I got to use uh my snare drum actually I used my aluminum C D C snare drum on most of the record. That's what you're gonna hear. Awesome. And then um they we had four different snares. So there's a couple songs where you're gonna hear like um Let's see, what was it? It was a, let's see, it was this 13-inch CDC. So yeah, there was two CDC drums and then like an OC percussion um, we ended up using for one of the songs. They're real snappy. Old vented snare. You remember they made those cool vented
1: snares? Yeah. Yeah, how Um, much? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, You can keep going.
0: And then, like in terms of symbols, um, of course, I had my Z Custom ride, that was non-negotiable. Um, he, I actually did pull it off for one song, which hurt my soul. But um, and then uh, we actually used a few different symbols. I can't really actually remember them all, but uh, we did not use my uh, my K hybrids. They okay. did not make the cut. So I think it was uh, just A Customs. Uh, in terms of crashes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I got to use my stuff, so it, for the most part, in terms of drums.
1: Yeah. How much, you know, does the drum setup or using various drums aid in the process? Like, do you find switching out a snare kind of reinvigorates, you know, your energy or your creativeness, or is it just more so for the sound on the record versus, you know, how you might actually play that part? Well, I would say...
0: uh I would say certain uh, tension on the snare and everything. Like if it's just tuned just right and everything just feels good, right? So yep. you know, if if the if that's in place and I switch out the snare, and I just feel like it's cracking real good, I'm getting good buzz rolls. I'm getting you know everything I need out of it. Yeah, of course it's gonna help. Uh, definitely gonna help my pr- performance. Yeah, uh, sometimes it, you know, might hinder it as well because I'm just not feeling it. I'm not getting the rebound I want or something like that.
1: But uh, yeah.
0: this time around, I was kind of vocal about it, like if, if I wasn't feeling it. But I didn't run into that too much.
1: Yeah. Are you uh, really, like, really good at tuning drums or is that something that Steve kind of takes over? You know, that it's
0: weird, but I, I, I do okay tuning drums, I guess. And it, I made the cut this time, so I tuned my own drums this time. Oh, awesome. Um on burnout I think uh I think they brought in I forget who they brought in. It was some really good drum tech. I think it was Green Day's drum tech or something like that. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: But so uh, you just they just kinda take over that and you know, in between takes they'll come <laughs> tune it up and then you come back and do another take?
0: Yeah, it was a little weird, to be honest. It was all new to me. But yeah, that's what they did for sure. This time it was like just me kinda making sure everything's still in tune in between takes and everything
1: yeah do you find it difficult to adapt to to different producers or is studio drumming pretty much the same for you kind of regardless of of, of who's behind the board you know you mentioned working with joe and and steve have there been any other you know producers in there that maybe were more challenging to work with drum wise or is has all your experience mm-hmm. in recording been fairly even
0: Um, honestly uh most of my experiences they are what you make them (laughs) you know um i've had producers that were not as easy to work with but you kind of have to make the situation good otherwise your songs are going to sound like garbage so uh so really you just have to kind of go in with a positive mindset um i've been fortunate enough that like You know, the only producer that I would say was, you know, I'm not going to name him, obviously, but uh, that was a little bit tough to work with. uh, The situation still worked itself out and um, and it ended up not being such a big deal. But it does bring down the vibe and, and vibe is a huge thing when you're recording, because I honestly feel like you capture it, you know, and you can tell in the performance if it's there or not, you know. And yeah. so you can tell if someone's not really getting along, you know, with the producer or the situation sucks, you know, he's going to want to get yeah. out of there real quick and his, his drum tracks are going to be, you know, subpar. Right. So you got to try and make it the you know best situation you can regardless.
1: Right. And in a similar fashion, how did you find um, adapting to playing with different members? So, you know, once Jackson left, you know, there was a, you know, he had Greg and, uh, then a number of different guys you know kind of later on and far from nowhere how does that as a drummer um, kind of affect your creativity or um, just your ability to to adapt to new players was that a challenge at all or is it you know you just kind of keep doing your thing and, and it works itself out
0: well, it it is a little bit of a challenge, especially when you had a lineup you started with, and then, you know, you have a couple new musicians come in. Um, the dynamic changes for sure. I think I got away with it a little bit because I'd played in several bands before Slick Shoes, which is, and even some of which were strangers, you know, I did not know. Mm. And I had to yep. try out for said band, so like... Um, that was by far the weirdest situation I w- have ever been in. So like anything was kind of cooler than that, you know, uh, yeah. I'd never really had a problem adapting to, you know, any of the guys who ended up playing in slick shoes, they were all, you know, and uh, still all are just monster players and great in their own respects, just good people yeah. too,
1: you know? Yeah. Can you think of uh like, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, it wasn't too hard at all to adapt. Is okay, what I was gonna say.
1: yeah, that's awesome. Uh, can you think of a band that you guys toured with where? Um, how do I word this? Like where you really um, loved the drummer or loved watching a drummer? Like I know maybe you know you always kind of like watching the drummer, but is there any kind of specific um, band that you got to watch their drummer every night play that you really enjoyed? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know maybe on Warp Tour or something On Warp Tour you know. I
0: loved watching Chris from Poison the Well. Oh, I yeah. awesome I definitely ben. watched Poison the Well just about every day so
1: that I could see him play. Um, yep.
0: that was a big one for me, honestly.
1: Um What
0: was it about his style that
1: you liked so much or what drew you to watching he's, him?
0: he's a he's a monster for one. I love his double bass work. Like I love his footwork and I love um his ability to just throw in, like, different things to, to, to that style of hardcore. Like, he would bring in, I forget what the name of the song is, where he's just doing this tom and kick pattern with the ride. And he just, mm-hmm. like, you know, he hits that for the longest time, but he's just got, like, such a good style, you know? Like, you can, yeah. some drummers just sound like they're really trying hard. And then some drummers just sound like they're so comfortable they could be at home reading the paper, and he's one of those guys, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There is something so mesmerizing about watching somebody, you know, whether it's drumming or just kind of doing anything that would be normally difficult, and they just kind of make it look so effortless. It's almost frustrating.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, why aren't you yeah. breaking a sweat, man? <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's. Yeah, they just, you know, either it comes naturally or they just know the parts so well. Or, you know, there's a number Not of Not a things single that go grimace it, the whole set. Yeah. Yeah, any uh, here, other here drummers? Here I
0: am looking like I'm in, v- like, pain the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> any other drummers come to mind? I, I like to watch Yuri. Uh, Yuri and I had an ongoing thing where I would just love to watch him every night to see if he messed up and he just never did. So, yeah. uh, you know, he. He's a powerhouse. Love watching him, dude, for sure. Um, I never got to watch Bill Stevenson play every night, but the times I did get to see him, it was, it was pretty life changing. I love the way he looks when he's playing, how he plays, how hard he hits the drums, his theory behind it, everything. Like he, he's just, mm. he's definitely one of my favorite drummers as well.
1: Yeah, you guys recorded an album there, right? Was that a Wake Up Screaming you guys did there?
0: Yeah, yeah, we did that yeah. at the Blasting Room. That was another surreal experience, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, what was that like? You know, as a drummer, what was that like having a guy like him, you know, telling you to do it again or saying, like, great take, <laughs> that's the one? Honestly,
0: uh, seeing him on the other side of the glass was super intimidating until maybe song three. Uh, and we finally sat down and him and I were just rapping about uh, my foot technique and like and, and everything like that. And uh, after that conversation, it seemed like everything went just I was so much more comfortable, you know. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool experience getting to have, you know, maybe one of your all time favorite drummers kind of almost coach you in drumming or be the one that's, you know. Almost kind of dictating, you know, is that is that the part that makes the record? Is it not? You know, do, you do yeah. it again. Talk no, about taking awesome. his advice. He couldn't have said anything I would have said no to. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with someone that has that kind of experience. So, nope. with the new album, what's uh, what's the one th- one thing you hope fans take away from this new album? I'm sure there's lot lots of takeaways, but if there was, you know, if I was to listen to the album from front to back. What would you hope I took away from that experience? That we had you in mind.
0: Like, we thought about everybody while we were writing this record. We thought about Mm. our fans. We thought about the other records we've done, and we thought about, like, how we can try and take it to the next level so that the fans, so you guys, would love it. And so we tried as hard as we could to do that. So hopefully you all receive it the way we like.
1: (laughs) Do you find that that daunting in the writing process because I mean there obviously has to be you know some give and take in that you want to write what you like as well and I mean this is a kind of a whole argument with so many bands where they kind of you know change styles and you know kind of disregard their fans because it's like well we don't want to play that kind of music we want to play music we like but then the people you're making the music for you know aren't happy with it however are you making it for the fans or for yourself did you find with this that there was you know, kind of back and forth in that, or is it, you know, you kind of like the end result as much as you hope the fans do? We agreed we were going to write songs we loved. And the
0: thing is, when we sat down and started writing, everything happened so naturally, and everything was just flowing, like the songs were just coming out, you know, and just, uh, you know, in one day, you know, we just, boom, a song's done, right? Yeah. Um... The only thing I could say about that is it was so easy to write that, you know, there were times where I was like, I, you know, should we revisit this and make sure, you know, like it's how we want it or, you know, is this, you know, again, I'm I'm coming back to how like we did have the fans in mind that that I guess you could say that was a little daunting, you know, that uh, after a song was done, you know, or, you know, are the fans going to like it? You know, right. Um, There's always going to be people that don't. There's always going to be naysayers. So our thing is, like, yeah, true. W- we're just going to try as hard as we can to make something we like, something that we know the fans uh, hopefully will like, and um, let the naysayers naysay.
1: Yeah. Well, and the, the challenge, I guess, with Ben, like you guys that have been away for so long is – You know, it's not like you had an album come out two years ago and you can kind of go off, you know, the response from that. It's like, you know, people are, your fans are, you know, right, 15 years older than they were the last time you put an album out. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of, I'm sure it was challenging on your part to even kind of like, you know, how many of those people are still into punk music, you know, how many have kind of moved on or, you know, is there a whole new generation of fans now? I mean, there's so many different things to, to consider with that.
0: Yeah, you're so right about that. You're so right about that. Uh, for When we first started this, I kept calling the, the fans the kids, right? We're going to do this for the kids. And it just really <laughs> dawned on me, you know, this is not the kids anymore, you yeah. know? But it's the fans, you know? And, and they're as old as we are. So. Yeah. Uh, And you know what happens with age, too. You get more opinions and you get uh, you're you're seasoned as far as listening to music and you get, you know, your own styles and everything. So, yeah, it was a little bit intimidating, you know, thinking about whether or not the fans grew with us, even though we were on (laughs) hiatus. Right. (laughs) I guess
1: the, the nice, you know, comfort with it is when it comes down to it, you know, it doesn't really matter. You're not, you know, waiting on this to, you know, to get tours or to make your living off of. So when it comes down to it, it's like you know, you did it for fun. You did it because you enjoyed it. Hopefully, the fans enjoy it, you know. But it's not like you're living or dying on this, which is probably also, you know, take some pressure off as well.
0: It it does a hundred and ten percent. Honestly, it's a lot easier uh, to do this when it is not your bread and butter. You know, yeah. um, it is a little bit less pressure, but you know, honestly, <laughs> as the fans liking what we do is, is, is a good amount of pressure in itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, because as much night- as I say, let the naysayers naysay, you know, I wish they would have liked it.
1: Right. Well, uh, and you're hearing, you know, the feedback so much quicker this time. And so what, what's that? Uh, this will be the last question. What's, what's that been like? you know, releasing music now versus 15 years ago, right? You you release a song at midnight and instantly people can be telling you what they think of it instead of, you know, a new song on a compilation or hearing it live or, you know, that just, I, I, that's been one of my favorite parts about this process, and I'm not even in the band, but, you know, every time you guys have dropped a song, I'm always checking your stories and um, the comments just to see what people are saying, and it gets me excited about it.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? So do we that's it. I, I, I barely sleep on those nights to be honest. Cause I'm constantly checking social media. Yeah. And you know, it's just something that like, you've been working on this thing for so long, you hope it's well received. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Social media is so rad. Like, uh, I, I was talking about this, uh, yesterday that, uh, when we were, uh, When we were first starting, we were kind of fresh off of using pagers. There wasn't even really cell phones, you know? So it's like uh, we would put out a record and then we would read a review of it. Like we couldn't really, we didn't really know what the, you know, the fans thought. Right. Um, Yeah, it's true. Until we saw him face to face. And then obviously all of those kids are going to like it, right? Because they're there to see you. Um, Right. Now it's, and especially with keyboard commandos who don't, you know, give a rip what they say, you get the good and the bad and you get it right away. Yeah. And uh, I personally love it. You know, I'm okay. Like I said, with the naysayers, and and I love to see the the uh the metrics too. See how many times it's been played. See how many times you know, uh, it's been downloaded or whatever. Like I'm a huge fan of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been you know so exciting just to see, yeah, people's reaction and excitement for it. And you know, I I can't wait for this record. I've loved all three songs, and I'm just anticipating. Um, the rest of it so you know thanks so much for all the effort and time that went into this album and um i'm sure it will be a really exciting time for you guys so man joe thanks so much for taking the time just to to share those thoughts it's been really fun to to just talk about drums and slick shoes and and uh yeah kind of what's what life was like versus what it is and lots of good stuff in there so thanks so much for for taking the time uh, to uh to hang out tonight yeah, thanks for having me, bud. Nothing funner than talking about drums. What were you doing there?
0: <clears throat> communicating. Communicating. Keeping up foreign relations.
1: You know, giving him the bird. You know, the finger. Yes, I know the finger, Who's... <laughs>